0: Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out, as a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he is among the scattered sheep. So I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land. And I will feed them on the mountain of Israel, by the streams, and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will feed them with a good pasture, and their grazing ground will be on the mountain heights of Israel. There they will lie down in good grazing ground, and they will feed in rich pasture on the mountain of Israel. And I will feed my flock, and I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord God. I will seek the laws, bring back the scattered, bind up the broken, and strengthen the sick. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with judgment. And then if you would turn to the book of 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, and beginning with the first verse. And the apostle Paul is speaking, and he is saying, And when I came to you, brethren... I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of God, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, Now the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen, ear has not heard, and which has not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. Lord, help us to understand what we have read this morning. What I had better know. Paul says, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. What a wonderful time of the year it is to be alive, and that is springtime. I remember with a great deal of joy and pleasure and comfort a man of my past who has now gone on to be with the Lord, uh, said that he thought he would not have found favor with the Lord if he had lived uh, all winter and come to die in the spring. Well, I think the Lord did bless him by not taking him away in the spring. And I can appreciate as I grow older so much what that man was trying to say and what he was saying when he made that statement. What a beautiful time it is to be alive, the spring of the year, the time that nature In all of its great glory comes alive again. And the birds sing and you listen to the outside, you can almost hear things out there growing and taking place and nature dressing itself again in all of its beauty and its great glory. My, what a wonderful time it is to be alive. Now there's another reason why this particular time uh, to be alive and that is, a sort of a springtime in the kingdom of God. And those of us who are attuned to and can understand something of what God is doing today, and the only way that you can explain it is to say that it is the springtime in the kingdom of God. Because you see, dear ones, today, if you're alert to what is going on, and all you have to do is check your own heart to know part of what I'm talking about, there's a spiritual restlessness today that is within the world that has not been before in my day. And there is among us who claim to be the fall of the Lord Jesus Christ, a quickening of the heart and soul and mind, as we think about the, what is taking place, and yet that doesn't quite explain it. The only way that you can explain it is to say that here is the work of the Holy Spirit that is working today more than he ever has within my past. And I can see it in my own life and I can see it in the lives and hearts of those who are around about me. I also take note of the fact that there is a searching today for meaningful life more than it has been in the last years. The great masses of people are caught up in this business of searching for life. And now it causes us to do as a society a lot of dumb and foolish things. Uh, but nevertheless, the desire is there for us to find a more meaningful way to live. And now you and I, as Christians, we have that more meaningful way to live. We know it. We know what it is. We know where it is. And we know what should be done about it. And then today, there is a commitment today on the part of people, by and large, a small minority. But I take note of the fact that there is a greater commitment and dedication today on the part of more people than in the past, of being really committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, folk, when I talk about being committed, I mean they are committed, heart, body, mind, and soul, and purse as well. There are those who are willing and ready to share with the kingdom of God and with God of what he has blessed them with in a great and in a mighty way. And I have been able to see a demonstration of that type of uh, commitment and dedication by people who do not even belong to this church. In fact, I think about the last uh, Sunday, or two Sundays ago, uh, when one who had been here but belongs to another church now, uh, gave me that check for $5,000. Now that's the kind of a thing that I am talking about. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit as never before. Now I want to tell you, it is springtime in the kingdom of God. And I want to tell you something else, dear ones. I've said that to say to you simply this. If ever there's a time where we need to be active as a church and as an individual, if there's a time for us to be aggressive and to go in action, it is now. Because you see the scripture is being fulfilled right before your eyes, right in the midst of your life, right now, right now. God is at work. God is at work. And if you doubt that, all you have to do is turn to the 38th chapter of the book of Ezekiel and the 23rd verse, and I want to read that to you, and I want to tell you this is precisely what God is doing right now. And he says, in days uh, to come, he says, I shall magnify myself, I will sanctify myself, and I will make myself known in the sight of many nations, and they will know that I am the Lord. Well, let me say to you that if the scripture is being fulfilled within our very life right now, and that is an absolute fact, is all you have to do is just read the scripture, especially the book of Ezekiel and Revelation, and listen to what's going on within the world. Because all you have to do is look what's going on within the world. You know, here's a thing that is absolutely astounding and amazing to me. You can listen to any news broadcast, you can read any news magazine, and you can read any paper on any one given day, and I will tell you what is at the center of the attention of the world today. The center of the attention of the world today is Israel. That was the center of the attention of the Lord God when Ezekiel was writing his book. And it comes to pass that in your lifetime and my lifetime, the astounding thing about it is, That after being out of existence as a nation for 2,000 years, Israel is born again. And yet when you think about it in relation to the great land masses and even the great nations of the world, Israel seems to be so small and so insignificant. But oh, in the mind and the heart and in the plans of God, she takes center stage. And we come to the place today as a world for our attention too is centered upon israel and going on there right now is precisely what god said was going to take place he said he was going to gather them up and bring them back from ever scattered place upon the face of this earth and that is exactly what he is doing and that's exactly what he has done and he said he was going to feed them in a good pasture and he's going to place them upon a mountain and don't get carried away by not understanding what he said about a mountain. He is saying that in this situation he's going to have them where he can see them. That's what God is saying about the mountain situation. And here all Ezekiel's three or four thousand years ago be able to look down and through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God to be able to tell us about the past, the present, and the future of Israel. And why is God doing all this? This is the most interesting thing to me of all, and we don't want to miss it. Why is God going about doing all these things that he's doing? Well, I'll tell you why he is. Because all you have to do is read Ezekiel, and it's the override. He's not doing it for the sake of the people of Israel. He's not doing it for your sake or my sake. He is doing it in order that his name might be glorified. I am doing it in order that my name might be sanctified and that it might be glorified. And that this world may know that I am the Lord. And I want to tell you, God is working more right now than he has since the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to make his name known within the world. Now, dear friends, if that be so, or if it be a lick of truth in it, and I hope you see that there is, it says something to you and to me today. Now, I take note of the fact as I read the book of Ezekiel, the override that I get from there, God has not changed his mind. God has not changed his mind. Israel failed to do what God called her to do. And as the writer tells us, it is as if one is drinking from a pure stream of water, from a pure spring, a sparkling, glistening, pure water. And then to keep others from drinking, they turn around and pollute it. And Israel had this opportunity, the message of God. And that has fallen to you and to me today. If anyone is drinking from the beautiful pure stream as Ezekiel talks about I want to tell you something dear friends it is the church and it is those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and which simply means it is you and I today we drink from that of water and we must understand and must see that just as these people have long ago failed and their actions so can you and I fail today and it would only be to our shame and our disgrace and to our eternal hurt if we do so now We can't afford to let that happen. Because, you see, what happened? The Jewish people were scattered throughout the world. Now, they didn't think that was going to happen any more than you and I don't think. If we don't do what we ought to do as a church and as the body of the Lord Jesus Christ and as a Christian, as one committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, well, nothing's really going to happen to us. Take a lesson from history. And you know what happened to the Jewish people. They were scattered. And as the scripture says, a light was taken from them and they were beaten... to near extinction and those who were not listened to this prophecy and god said those who were not killed by the sword would be burnt in the midst of a city and i want to tell you that i have lived in my lifetime to see that not as something spiritual but that is a living a reality that really did happen they were burnt by the millions and how do you account for the intense hatred of the Jewish people today? Well, that's all you have to do is read Ezekiel, the 38th chapter and the 10th verse, and he tells you exactly why. He says, I am going to put an evil intent in the heart of those people who are around about you to do you harm. And that's exactly the only way that I can explain uh, what is happening and what did happen and what is happening today. And what is God going to do? well I read that to you in the scripture this morning he says I'm going to gather you back together after I've had my way and after I have satisfied to myself and what needs to be done he says I'm going to gather you together again and there's only one thing that's left to be done in the prophecy of Ezekiel and that is that is which to come and that is the great battle now we know precisely where that battle is going to take place because the scripture tells us but we don't know the time The only thing we don't know is when it is going to happen. Now, you see, I am absolutely amazed at the fantastic, devoted, dedicated love of God that you and I sang about this morning and that you and I get uh, an impression of from the scriptures. Now, I want to tell you, dear friends, that if the Lord God would turn heaven and hell upside down and inside out, and he has, and if he had sent the Lord Jesus Christ, his only son, to the cross, And he did. And if he would scatter the nation that he chose to carry his word and to favor him, if he would scatter them and beat them and then gather them together again, and then he's going to provoke a mighty army, and which is going to come against them out here in the future somewhere. And then to do this, the only way that they're going to be delivered is for him to break in and to take an active part in that battle. Now you think about that. This is what God is going to do. And he's going to do it because he has such an intense love for his people and for you and for me. Now, if God is doing this and God is going to do this and God is in the midst of working as he has never worked before to bring this about, I want to ask you a simple question. What about you and I? What are we supposed to be caught up in today? What does it say to you? What does it really say to you as a single disciple human being, creation of the living God. Dear friends, let me say to you that just as sure as there be another sunrise, just as sure as there be another sunrise, God is going to have his way. And nothing, nothing, no thing, no one, no nation, nor this world is going to stay the hand of God. What he said he's going to bring about, you just write it down right now that it's going to come to pass. Everything that he has said in the past is going to come, the past has, and what he says is going to come, the past, the future is going to be here. And I want to tell you, for you and for me and for us as a church, we need to come to the place uh, where we see uh, what is going on and so we can address ourselves properly to the responsibility, the opportunities and the privileges that you and I have today. In the midst of all of this happening, here is where you and I are today, right now. Now, you see, the truth of it is, what is taking place within the world can be a very frightening thing. I can understand why people are scared. I can understand that people had sense enough that they would be scared to death. On the other hand, to those who are committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, it is not a scary situation at all. It is not frightening at all. It's just an awesome situation, but it can be a very exciting thing. It can be a very exciting time of life. It is a time when we check these hearts and souls of ours and look at the situation and cause our heart to beat just a little faster and causes us to take note again of the awesomeness of the God that we serve and the great ability and capability that he has and the great love that he has for each one of us. When I look at the situation, I think of old Simeon. Here an old man coming to the end of his days and he was told by the Spirit to go to the temple. And when he went to the temple, the baby Jesus was there. And he laid his eyes on the baby Jesus, and at that moment the Spirit spoke to him and said to him, Simeon, uh, this is the Messiah. And you remember old Simeon was caught up in it? And he said, now he could die in peace because he had seen the glory of God, that he had been a witness to the promise of God's fulfillment to his people that his son would be sent. And so Simeon asked to be let go in peace. Here's where we stand today. Is it too difficult for anyone caught up in the Spirit of God to see that where we stand is in an awesome situation? Now, I want to ask just one question. I ask it of my soul and yours as well. What must I do? I feel something like the Philippian jail. You can find this story in the book of Acts, the 16th chapter, and you can read it for yourself. But you remember. Paul and Silas were going to Philippi and they were preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and for that they were thrown into jail. And that night uh, they were locked away, locked in chains, locked behind doors. You remember God decided to deliver them and uh, old Silas was in the process of leading a hymn. And then all nature broke loose and there was a great earthquake and the walls spit out the chains. And their doors fell apart. And the old Philippian jailer was under the responsibility and knew that if one of his prisoners got away, that it meant that he would have to take his place and he would be the one to be killed. And he was a nervous wreck. And you remember he rushed in and was about to throw himself on his sword and kill himself. And old Paul called out to him and says, We are here. Don't harm yourself. We're all here. And he was so taken with what was going on that he asked one question, and one question alone. What must I do to be saved? that's it and the question that we ask today what must I do what must I do to fulfill my place in the kingdom of God today what must I do friends I have three things to suggest to you and they're so common in so much of everyday life that I hesitate to mention them because I fear that you will not see them of how important they really are but mention them I will number one in this day in which you and I live in we know that it calls for the strongest type of discipleship that we could ever possibly muster both as an individual and as a church now how can we make our church strong number one come to church take a serious thought about your churchmanship take a serious thought about your churchmanship you cannot take lightly this opportunity and this privilege you have today to make your witness in the kingdom of god if god is at work you ought to be at work too and doing the best you can to make known your place and part in the eternal kingdom of god now i know that you're serious but does your neighbor know and how will your neighbor and those who observe you how will they ever know unless you take uh, seriously your churchmanship. Now I know that these sermons that I preach are so powerful that you only need one a month. (laughs) And so you stay away the other three Sundays. Dear friends, let me say to you with all the intent of my heart and all the knowledge I have, whatever wisdom I have, whatever I've gathered from God over these years, I want to say to you, there's nothing upon the face of this God-given earth that will systematically give a demonstration to this world of what you believe and the way you believe it than faithful, committed, dedicated church attendance, nothing. It's important if we are to build a vital witnessing force for the kingdom of God and for the Lord Jesus Christ if we're going to make a dynamic impact upon this community of ours, if we're going to be the church worthy of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, if we're going to win people to the Lord Jesus Christ, if we're going to be prepared for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to take seriously our churchmanship and be in our place of responsibility every Sunday, if at all possible. And I want to tell you, if we would do this one thing here, there would be such an outpouring of the power of God on us that this whole community would take note that we're here in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I would take seriously, and I call it to your attention, your churchmanship. Secondly, I would give. I would give. And I would give. I would share with the kingdom of God precisely the way the scripture has asked me to and God has asked me to, I would give as God has blessed me. I would give as God has blessed me. Now, I know that you perhaps are aware of this, but let me rehearse it in your ear in case you're not. As I look at the situation back across the years and I think about our situation right now, and I have been in churches where we have had a lot more staff people than we have here, but I have never been in a church, anywhere, any place, any time, that is staffed with people any more committed and dedicated than those now that serve you. We have a staff here that's ready and willing to do whatever they can for the sake of the kingdom of God and for the Lord Jesus Christ. Outside of the one who is speaking to you, the rest of them, they're at the place commitment and dedication that they ought to be. And I count it a privilege to serve with them. Now I have said that to say simply this to you. One of the great programs of this church is the staff that you have brought together here and God has blessed us with. Capable and willing of doing the job. But friends, it doesn't make any difference how capable they are and how good they are and how committed they are. They cannot do the job and won't be able to continue to do the job unless you and I respond to their leadership the way that we ought to and with the means that we have at our disposal to respond to them. And I'm saying that to you knowing that right now that we have not paid one dime of our conference claims. We're running about $5,000 behind in our conference claims right now. I will do anything that is within my power to see that the program of this church is not disturbed And that we continue to do what we're doing and try our dead-level best to make an impact upon this community that you and I are privileged to be in at this very moment. But it cannot be done unless we are willing to share with what God has blessed us with. And it's just pure and as simple as that. For us, knowing what is going on within the world, and what God is calling for and what God is doing for us to hesitate to respond to him in this way my friend we invite disaster we invite disaster and so the first I would give serious thought to my churchmanship secondly I would share with the kingdom of God I will tell you I will tell you and let it be written this morning that unless we do what we ought to do here and the way of being a steward in the kingdom of God, you will live to see the day that you will regret by not doing it. Just as sure as there be a God in his eternal kingdom. Now, and we must put totally, as best we can, to the service of God this total piece of beautiful property that we have been blessed with. Oh my. My friends, it's not a matter of whether I want to or not or whether I even like to or not. That doesn't even come in the picture. The only thing that is really in the picture of what does God intend for us to do with what he has blessed us with. That is the question within my heart and my soul. You know, I feel something like David of long ago uh, when he went out to, to see his brothers that were in the army of Saul. And when he got out there and he looked up his brothers and now on the other hill was a giant over there making fun of God's people. Of this army. And you remember that David said, told the king, he says, Now I'll go out there and fight uh, uh, that, uh, that giant. He has insulted God in his kingdom and blasphemed his name. I'll go, and I'll go in the name of my God. And you remember they took David in. He must have been just a, a little fellow and uh, not uh, very big at all. And they put uh, the king's armor on him. Well, when they put it on, he was so wedged down. It must have been beautiful, beautiful armor. You can just see it so shiny and everything. And David couldn't move. He said, I can't move. That's not what God has given me. And what he has given me is a slingshot, and I know how to use that. And on the way to meet the giant, you remember, he picked up some stones from the brook. God has given that to me, and that's all I need. And you know the story as well as I do. My dear friends, you may look around you and you may wish for something else and you may long for the armor and the shining stuff and the part of the king, but I want to tell you what God has given to us here right, here right now. We will be more than able to do the job in a glorious way for God if you and I will just seize the opportunity that we have and you and I can slay the giant today in the name of Christ. And we can see souls saved. Now friends, I want to tell you, now listen to me. Please listen to me. It's important. Let it be written again. Only one thing here at this church that we hold uppermost in our mind, in our hearts, in our soul, to be engraved here on whatever we do. One thing and one thing alone, and that is to glorify God, to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ, and to see men and women born into the kingdom of God. I, for the rest of my days, I do not want to be involved in something just within itself. I am not interested in beautifying this ground for the sake of beautifying this ground. I am not interested in what goes on back there on the back 40 for what just goes on back there. The only way that I am interested in, willing to give my heart, my soul, my life, my strength, my money, and whatever else I have to this church, all of it is that we lift up Jesus Christ as Lord so that men and women might be saved. The time runs out on us. We cannot spend our time just having fun. We must spend our time, yes, having fun, but thinking in terms of how I can lead someone to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, my friends, we have an opportunity here like you wouldn't believe. Oh, and it can be wonderful. It is wonderful. It's beautiful. Is any other church in the Methodist church has such a beautiful situation as you and I have today? I don't know of any. We have it all. Let us then commit, rededicate, do whatever needs to be done in order that we might be able to take what God has already blessed us with and prepare as best we can for His coming glory. And let us do it in such a way that we're going to take every man, woman, and boy, and girl that we can find and take them with us. Because we want to see them saved. We want to see them part of the kingdom of God. We want to see them when God comes in all of his glory. And It may be in our lifetime, but when he does come, whether it be early or late, it makes very little difference. If we're going to do everything within our power, we're going to use this piece of property, we're going to do whatever we can to make it beautiful, wonderful, serviceable, and we're going to do it only for one reason, and that is for God to be praised and men and women to be saved. Now, those of you who are here this morning, if there be one here, and you do not know Christ as your Savior and Lord, I want you to know that what we do here, we do for you. We do for you to bring you to the place where you can say yes to your Lord. Say yes to him. And if you're here this morning and you sense the call of the Lord Jesus Christ and the urging of the Holy Spirit to step out for the Lord Jesus Christ and give your heart and your soul to him, come as we sing this closing hymn.